Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 460 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm Kyle Brackey, Daniel Roy Lobdell Jr., third, the second. To my left, Ben Askren with a new look in his studio is with us on the call. Um, what's up, guys? Yeah, I, I, ch- I changed my studio around a little bit. I did. I, you guys can't see the room, but. I always felt confined in the old room, and I feel like this is a little better. The only problem is right above my head, there's this window, and I didn't realize it would be in frame. So I, I need to, you can't really see it that much right now, but I do need to figure out something with that. All right, well, we can't wait to see what happens next uh, <laughs> next show. Um, <laughs> before we get started, I do, I do want to mention... Uh, oh, yeah, there Sorry, you go. No, you're good. Um, I do want to mention, um, obviously, Christian hasn't been with us. Um, I talked to him last night, but he, he had a, a friend from Virginia suddenly pass away. Um, so he's back in Virginia, uh, to be with friends and family. So if you could just keep him and, um, his, his friend's family in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, but he, he wanted to let everybody know where he was. Um, so not to bring the mood down at all, but just wanted to get that out there and, uh, we can get talking wrestling now. Yeah. We love you, CP. We miss you, and uh, we hope you're doing okay, bud. We're thinking about you. All right, Ben. Where hey, do you uh, want to start? Well, here's what I got a question. We got something in Wisconsin called Team Sexuals tonight, and I want to get your guys' hot takes on it, see what you feel. I, I don't know if you guys are going to love it or if you're going to, like, really hate it. I think it's going to be one of the two. So here's what we do in Wisconsin to determine the Team State Champion. Are you guys ready for this? Hit me. We have the regionals. Okay, at the regionals, the team score is kept. The winner of one regional team score faces another one in a dual meet, okay? This determines eight team sectional champions, and then they go to a dual meet championship um, in, a, in the week after the high school, individual high school state. Hate it or love it? Disagree. <laughs> Disagree? Um, Hate it. He hates it. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Here's my thing. If you're going to do a dual meet, championship of any kind a state national whatever it has to involve dual meets so quick and dirty in maryland 
there's a point system. You get eight points for every win. There's 14 duels. You divide your total number of points by 14. Whoever has the highest average points, again, everybody's the same number of duels. Top four teams from each um, region wrestle, and then the the four winners wrestle at a neutral. The, the one seed gets the home field. So 4A North, 4A East, 4A West, 4A South. You get the, the top seed hosts. Then the four winners from there wrestle. So each region winner, semifinals, and again, same thing, point system, semifinals, Wait, winner, so, neutral field. So, so Nomad, does the eight points mean whether it's a pin or a decision or whatever, it's eight points? I'm saying uh, a, a dual win for a team is worth eight points. Oh, oh, so okay, the maximum okay, – okay. so if you score 112 points during the year, it means you went 14 no. Oh, okay. Sorry, the 14 weights and the 14 duels, that confused me. Sorry. Yeah, sorry about uh, that. Okay. But, yeah, it's de- well, it's, a- the, it's determined by the duels as opposed to – and then they have, like, the individual, the traditional, so to speak, regional and, and state tournament. Nice. I yeah. saw there was some more talk on the uh, the dual nationals. <laughs> I think both of you guys are against it. Debbie Yao tweeted about it this weekend after after Pat Pop and NC State beat Virginia Tech. Uh, the need for the dual national title, and I'm sure you guys hate that, right? I don't know. I don't. What are you talking about? I love it. Yeah, he's. With, I'm he's like with the you. most on oh, on board with you, it. Oh, I thought you were team anti duels, Nomad. I'm not team anti duels. I just I w- I want them to be be separate i know like spay wants them to he wants to have this combination of uh the duel and the tournament and it just is so confusing and i don't think is a good idea it's gross uh i i would think it'd be awesome if we had two different national championships and and it kind of got started because hayden heidley was talking about it Mm -hmm. he was like we've won three straight top 10 duels three weeks in a row We'd love to challenge ourselves against uh, the best from the Big Ten, and there's got to be a way to do it. Um, yeah, I, I, it'd be awesome to get to see NC State wrestle Iowa. Yeah, I, I think it would be awesome too. And with, there's just so much. I feel like there's so much momentum behind duels. Again, every duel you watch, I watched a whole bunch of them this weekend. They're all sold out. Bryce Jordan Center sold out. Carver Hawkeye sold out. Packed. Uh, NC State Virginia Tech. That place was packed. I mean, there's so much momentum behind duels right now. And again, I would never want to take away from the individual national tournament, but I think I think you can obviously do both. And hopefully, that's what Debbie Yao is uh, pointing at. Yeah, I, I came up with uh, <clears throat> kind of like an option on uh, on the Monday FRL yesterday, and we don't need to get dive into it too deep, but kind of just like a yes or no from both of you guys, where you shorten the number of duels. So I think it's like 14 now. Shorten it to maybe 11 or 12. And then that way you have an extra two weekends to do the national the national duel, you know, like mm-hmm. to determine the team, so to yeah. speak. So then you still have four or five weeks from the end of that to NCAA's. Well, I would love for there to be some type of systematic approach to the wrestling season, like kind of like you. I don't know. You said in Maryland gets everyone gets fourteen duels. It wouldn't it be nice if like there? It would be nice for for a multitude of reasons. It would be nice, but. Hey, football is every Sunday or, you know, maybe sometimes a Monday. Um, you know, base, well, baseball doesn't play a schedule, but it would be nice if wrestling did some type of schedule. Like, for these six weeks, it's every Friday and Sunday, and the, every single team in college wrestling has 12 duels. And at the end of that, we'll know what your record is, and then we'll, you know, we'll go from there. That would be really, really, really nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm with that. And even if it's look, even if it's the you know the conference champs all get in, and then there's one wild card. You know, so there's eight teams, and it's like, well, Big Ten should have multiple. They should have multiple. Well, I, you know, everybody gets their everybody gets their shot. Yeah, I, I agree. For, I, I love it. I hope it happens. For those that don't know, uh, Debbie Al, who we were talking about, is the AD at NC State, and. Um, Hayden Heider tweeted, I believe there has to be a way to form a dual national championship. Our resume is good enough to square off against the Big Ten's best. We've been an incredible dual team the past five years and should be able to put it on the line. What's the harm in finding out where we stand? And then Debbie Yao responded, the NCAA Blue Ribbon Task Force on Wrestling has advocated for this. I am a committee member. Coach Pop knows we have worked this idea for a couple years. Requires NCAA approval. Like most ideas, it is more complicated than thought. My understanding is the big hurdles they don't want to – the NCAA is, understandably, pretty hardcore against two national titles, which to me then the fix is the duel is the team and the, the tournament is just the individual. Well, I don't understand why they don't want two. I mean, you got you got indoor and outdoor for track. You, you have a few other things just But like there are two different seasons there, Ben. Yeah, that's what I, I would advocate for. Like I said, we could do – 12 duels, right? Say the first six weeks, 12 duels or whatever formula you come up with. And, and then after that, you have, say, four tournaments and then the conference and the NCAAs. You know, all the matches would count for the wrestlers' records, but you would have essentially a dual season and then uh, a tournament season or whatever whatever you want to call that second half. I, I think that could work really well. I think it would be great for fantasy wrestling, which, you know, it's you guys try to do, but it's hard because people's freaking matches are all over the place. Yeah, uh, It would be great for spectating because everyone would know what to, what to – expect when when they're watching things you know they know a schedule a season it would be much better yeah absolutely uh, i'm okay i'd love to see it you know there's there's nothing like these the, these duels that we're seeing um in the atmospheres that, that teams are, are getting now you know the prince and cornell one from a couple weeks ago stands good. out too so i think we should get into the nc state virginia tech one because as bracky correctly yeah. said it was the duel of the year <laughs> I told, oh, I I hate this. I hate that take, Brack. Yes. Yeah, okay. Saw well, let's let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> take the gloves off, boys. The, to me, it was the duel of the year, not because of it wasn't wrestled in front of sixteen thousand people. It was like four thousand yeah. or whatever. But every every match outside of maybe maybe one one seventy four, it was mm-hmm. awesome wrestling and just like. Guys going for stuff. There were three pins and two of them yeah, in the first crazy. period. Just like guys going for it. Um, and then you had, I mean, Hayden got, BC LaPray legit pushed Hayden. Uh, Thomas Bullard upset David McFadden. You look at the score, it was two to one. Uh, there were a lot of really good exchanges in that first period where McFadden was struggling to finish. And then Bullard puts a tough ride on him. But McFadden still gets out and has a chance to win. Um, then you had the Hunter Bowling Trent Hadley match. Uh, Deontay Wilson upsets John Boris. Camacho Prada was incredible. Um, Insane. Camacho hit the Nolf roll to score a reversal, like while he was on bottom. That was awesome. And then Trombley getting that pin. It it was just, to me, was like start to finish, 10 deep. The matches were more exciting than Iowa Penn State. I mean, I, I know because of the fan base, it's not going to be good if you guys put a poll up because there's so many right. Penn State Iowa homers that, that they'll overtake it. No, it wasn't. An, uh, so well, let's just talk through this. Wasn't an outstanding duel, of course. I, you know, there, there. To your point, there was so much action. 
the, the way I feel about Iowa Penn State is there were so many emotional swings in it, right? It was like, um, for for a minute, you know, Spencer Lee wins. Okay, that's then DeSanto gets hurt. Oh shoot! Now then Nick Lee gets a tech ball. Oh wow! Penn State's looking like they're gonna win, and then. You know, Google comes in there, and it looks like he's going to get Verclean stalled out for a second, and then he kind of stalls. And then the Vincenzo, and you're like, okay, it's favor Penn State. Um, and I, I just feel like there's so many emotional swings in that match, and then obviously the Hall-Kemmerer match. So I, th- I think the matches weren't as crazy, you know, is what you're saying, but there were the emotional swings back and forth for each, for each fan base. It wasn't like all Iowa or all Penn State. It was like really, really back and forth emotionally. Well, you had the same with this duel, though, because the, yeah, the, right. the first match of the duel, Andonian comes out and sticks Lighten, and you're like, oh, man. Like, I don't know if NC State can come back from that. And then Bullard yeah. upsets McFadden, and Bullen yep. beats Hydley, and you're like, so the Bullard win gets NC yeah. State back in it, but then Bullen brings Virginia Tech back right, and then Smelter gets a pin in 18 yeah. seconds. Yeah. NC State yeah, overcame Smelter. two pins to win, Ben. How often does that happen? Yeah. At, well, after that Smelter match, I think if you're an NC State fan, you are, I'm sorry, Virginia Tech fan, you're feeling really confident because I believe they were favored in three matches in a row after that. They were favored. Boris was favored, mm-hmm. uh, Girardi, and Prada. They were all favored, and they all lost, which is, yeah, which is crazy. Um, I, I guess, I don't know. I can, I guess I can see it your way, too. I can see the Virginia Tech NC State. I mean, it was awesome. I loved it. The Iowa-Penn State was just so good that – you were also there, there too, like, so that could yeah that could have swayed your me. opinion. Yeah, um, but yeah. W- let, let's get into a few of these matches and and talk about them a little bit more. Um, Andonian, man, when he's on, he's a lot of fun to watch. He is a um, lot of fun to watch. We've been talking about him for a while, and I'm glad that uh, he's finally getting a shot. Unfortunate that you know. Brent Moore's hurt, and that's why he's getting the shot. But, I mean, they were talking about him being the starter at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think what you saw in that duel is why they were thinking about making him the starter at the beginning of the year because he is that spark plug that can put up a lot of points or can pin a guy and be a big, you know, big shakeup when it comes to a duel, big shakeup when it comes to trying to get, you know, is Andonian going to win? Not, not this year. It doesn't look like 149. But you get a pin on the backside. You know, thinking about Iowa State, uh, it was last year or two years ago where they got four pins on the backside NCAA's. That'll that'll uh-huh. shoot you up, you know, in the team in the team finish. Yep. So that's why you get a guy like Andonian, and he showed that this duel. Yeah, and then um, pretty workmanlike from from Hayden over Laprade. He did make him work for it, um, but he's a tough guy and is going to every time. Uh, what were your thoughts on Bullard over McFadden? Yeah, you know what? You know what? Bullard McFadden, I think, was the the perfect example of. <laughs> I'm trying to get No Man fired up today. Th- th- maybe this <laughs> one's gonna do it. I've been try. I tried twice. I failed twice. Let's um, go. It was that the rideout can be exciting. I mean, like when Bullard was riding him and he was getting close to a minute, that place was going freaking bonkers. Like they understood the gravity of the situation. They understood that if he rides him for over a minute that he's probably going to win the match, you know, two to one, which is how, how he ended up winning it. Um, so man, that is, uh, that the, <laughs> the excitement of the ride out. Can you believe it? No, man. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna give you credit on this because so I've said for a while, like, th- you know, third period ride outs to win. That's grown man stuff. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the like big ones I can remember is when Bryce Meredith wrote out Kevin Jack 
right? Like in in uh, Reno finals, that was when I think they were two and three in the country. And there's there's a hundred examples of it. You know, Real Woods did to win Ironman title to ride a guy out to get the win. That's grown man stuff. And for fans to appreciate it, that's awesome too. And for like like one of the best ones I can remember is Missouri Iowa national duels. Missouri used their stall calls in that duel like a strategic basketball coach uses fouls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they like strategically using them as fouls to extend yeah. the game or to you know prevent points from being scored. So when you're doing it intelligently in in small doses, yes, the ride can be exciting. However, as a whole. It's 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 not very entertaining, but for individual things like that, individual moments, yes, it can be exciting, especially when the crowd has the wherewithal to be like, "Oh wow, we're gonna win this duel if he gets yeah. this." Yeah, they were going, they were they were going bonkers when he was riding him out. <laughs> they were, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't a stall ride at all. I mean, he he was grinding him out, he flattened him out, he was getting you know, I don't want to say he was close to a turn, but you know, he had the power half locked mm-hmm. up pretty tight a few times. I mean, he he was beating him down with the ride. Definitely definitely wasn't a stall ride, so. I was impressed. I, is that Bullard's first, like, real, real big-time win? Hmm. Probably over I got, an All-American. I, I, yeah, I feel like it is. And so, you know, that for him, I feel like he's kind of been in that, you know, um, contender to All-American range for a while, but he hasn't had that big breakthrough win. And I kind of feel like, hey, that maybe, that maybe that's his big breakthrough win um, because he's kind of been in that, say, 10 to 15 range for, for a while now. Yeah, I can't. Results, probably the biggest win he had this season going into that was uh, he split with Ethan Smith at CKLV. But, yeah, yeah so that's, 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 that's definitely his biggest one. That's a huge win. Um, hey, uh, I got breaking news here. I, I'm, I'm, an uncle for the, I'm an uncle for the first time. Hey, Woo! let's go. Yeah. So my, my brother just had a kid. Congratulations, yeah, well, man. I was, I was, he, he didn't have the kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Max and Alex had a kid, so I'm gonna. That's awesome, Max. Yeah, congrats. Yeah. Um. Okay. On to Bolin and Hidley. Were you? Were you? Pre- He's oh, never gonna pronounce it right. No. Hidley. Hidley. <laughs> Hidley. Look, Ben. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be the guy who who does that. But he's like number two in the country. Like this guy could be a national <laughs> okay. champ. I feel like you should get and national champs names. They 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 messed the, they messed the pronunciation up like hundreds of years ago and they just stuck with it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Sorry to be that guy. Okay, Hydley. Hydley. Uh, <laughs> Bowen Bowen went with the power wise. Uh, yeah, I mean Bowen is a strong dude. Christiansburg cowboy, right there. I love that nickname. <laughs> um, what surprised me is he beat him with his own game. Yeah, mm-hmm. he underhook singled him to score the lone takedown of the match, and yeah. then like you were saying, Ben, it didn't look like Trent had anything left in the third period. No, definitely not. I mean, there was one on the edge where uh, Bowen like circled him with the underhook, and he kind of like made him fly a little bit. I'm like, damn, that's that's the power of the underhook right there. I, I, I mean, I I couldn't believe how he how he moved Trent with the underhook. I was really impressed. Um, I knew he was a strong guy, but. Yeah, I mean, we we know how powerful Trent is, and so yeah, that was like the way he moved him was really impressive to me. Hey Ben, I don't know if if this specific thing happened, but I know Bracky and I wanted to talk about it for Pletcher Lee, and again, I don't want to hijack this to to get this. Maybe we can save it for that. But we were yeah. talking about we, we wanted if Bracky and I talk about it, it maybe people won't listen to us. But um, <laughs> the real effects that an adrenaline dump can have on someone 
where you get too amped up, which we know Trent gets amped up. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to take anything away from Boland, but just that has happened to guys no. where they, oh, they psych themselves up and they don't have anything left for the match. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I we we I think we talked about that like two weeks ago, maybe Bracky. And I told you, I told you it never happened to me um, in a match. Where it happened to me this is so dumb. But I I talked about the when we were doing the pro matches, and I was I was right, running yeah. everything. I, I I was running the tournaments, and I was running the uh, you know, the pro matches, and I was making sure everyone got in the right places, and and travel was good. And dude, by the time I got to the match, it was like, oh my god, I got I got nothing left here. <laughs> um, it was terrible. So yeah, I mean that that's a, that emotion affecting performance is that's real. And so I, I know a lot of coaches, and I don't I don't agree necessarily, but you know maybe for certain people I would that like during a really emotional dual meet like that, you make sure your guys stay calm and don't get too into the match because if they're just into the match for the whole time, that that you know a lot of coaches think that can take away from their ability to go perform their best later in the match. Well, one guy I think that's that that's going to potentially affect next year is Kevon Davenport, because <laughs> that dude <laughs> is like maybe the best hype man in the game, but they're going to need him to be like, okay, Kevon, not until after one forty nine can you get into the match. Like once you wrestle, you can go wild, but we need you in the match because he's so just so passionate. Will they try to start every duel? Will they try to start every duel? <laughs> At 149. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 149. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Boland. I just – I know that's a thing that impacts it. And, look, Boland yeah. beat, beat Trent on the road. He has he has one loss this year, which he avenged. They're going to meet in the ACC championship in a neutral environment. So, you'd think Boland would be favored there. If you beat him on the road, you theoretically should beat him by more in neutral environment. But I just wanted to say, like, sometimes that does affect, affect guys and – I don't know. The the emotions of the duel could have gotten to Trent. He's uh, yeah. Bo- Bolin. I think this just kind of like maybe cements himself to the country. I, I feel yeah. like he wasn't being talked about a lot, mm-hmm. and yeah. no fault of his own. He has a great resume, um, but this kind of like shows like, hey, like I, I can make the finals. I can I can wrestle with all these other yeah. dudes um, that are Me- making noise every weekend. He he's got to win one more big match to be the number uh, the number two seed at NCAs. Uh, you know he'll he'll be the number one seed at ACC. So you'll Bonacorsi and and Hidley uh, two three. So that they, they'll wrestle each other in the semi. Obviously that's a really good match. And then he'll have to beat one of them in the finals. And I feel like if he wins the ACCs, he's the very clear number two going in NCAs. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, because it, so beating Trent again, or like you were saying, beating Nino. If if like there's an upset there. Um, that like winning the ACC is a solid weight, so then he'll get complete credit there. He has the the most recent over Luhan, so he should be ahead in all the coaches' rankings there. And then yeah, I mean the rest of his resume is is very solid as far as quality wins. Um, I don't know what his RPI is; I'd have to double check. But yeah, I mean yeah. he he really is looking like the the favorite to be the the two seed. And you talk about the resume; the last two years he has two losses. One is to Luham, which he avenged. The other was to fully healthy Shakur Rashid. Wait, didn't I thought he had one more loss? That, I was just looking at his record. Nope, you're right. My bad. He only so he only has one loss this year. So no bad losses the last two years. Bunch of good wins. I mean, guy's yeah. a stud. Yep, yep. So his biggest wins, obviously, Luhan, Deprez. And Hidley, and then possibly one more over either Hidley or Bonacorsi. So I mm-hmm. definitely think that's gonna be enough for him to get the. Uh, 
to get the two-seeded NCAAs. Yeah, I agree. All right, so then uh, Stanley Smelter, electric factor that he is, 18 seconds. Uh, Nick Reena did not wrestle. Uh, it was Tyree Wait, Howell. You, Brecky, you were watching the broadcast, weren't you? They were interviewing the Bullard brothers. The Bullard yeah. brothers didn't even react to it. I was I like, know. damn, they were focused on the interview. I know. They uh, <laughs> they did that with, um, I think right after Heavyweight, they interviewed Gwiz, and there was like awesome yep. wrestling mm-hmm. going on with Prada and Camacho. <laughs> I just, I just would have, I wish they would have just let the wrestling go. Um, uh, but anyways, that that was crazy. Um, but then Wilson uh, gets NC State back on track and gives them hope when he takes out John Boris. Really been impressed with Wilson the past couple of weeks. Coming up clutch in those big moments. He's a really big dude, and he can move well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, NC State's had such a good hist- – uh, not history, but a track record with heavyweights and getting them bigger uh, – better – um, upperweights too, Mike, you know, guy like Mike, Mike Machiavello who went from you know walk on to a national champion. So they're kind of they're kind of proven there. And yeah, Deontay Wilson's. I feel like I didn't know who he was going into the year. I feel like he's getting better and better as the season goes on. Um, mm-hmm. He's had a few losses. He lost to the Hofstra kid. He lost to Demetrius Thomas from Pittsburgh. But you know, I think he's someone who could get a few good wins for them at the NCAA's for sure. Yeah, and then you, you probably loved 125. Camacho and Prada, it seemed like they were scrambling literally the entire match. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was an awesome match back and forth. I mean, I, I was impressed at the last, the last ride out. Um, I'm sorry, Prada, not Prada. Uh, Prada, oh my gosh, I'm missing all these. Camacho. Who's that? Camacho, thank you. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying his name up. <laughs> uh, he had the wherewithal to come off the, come off the legs a couple times in yeah. that last little ride out. I mean, it looked like, he was definitely called for stalling, and you know that would have tied the matchup and said overtime. So he had the wherewithal. It was like at the four count where he came up off the legs to not get called for stalling. Yep, and you saw after the mat, the ref blew the match dead at the, when the clock ran out. Uh, Prada was yes. looking for that point. He's like, "What the heck? I thought I thought I had the point." Yep. <laughs> Camacho is one that that I really like coming through high school. He's now beaten Prada two straight years. Um, he beat him last year, start the year at the Hokie Open, then beat him this year. Um, and outside of, he, he had, um, kind of a bad loss at the Southern Skull where we got pinned against, uh, VMI, John McGarry, a guy who, who right now is not looking like a qualifier. Um, but otherwise he's 16 and six against D1 guys this year. And basically the rest of the losses are like ranked guys or, or good guys. So, and look, 25 is a mess, you know? So Camacho, mm-hmm. if, if he can, he's probably not going to win ACCs because of Mueller, but if he can make ACC finals and then get on a run, you know, that's going to be a huge help for NC State. And I know our man David Bray is doing um, – he's going to do a series of articles about all the teams, like, that have been in that third, fourth spot this year. And NC State right now kind of on the outside looking in. But, you know, there, there's so – there's as there is every year. But there's so many weights where there's a big question mark. 125 is one of those weights. So Camacho is one that could maybe yeah. get them some points in Civil A's. Yeah, I mean, 20, 25 goes deep of guys who you feel like get All-American. I I don't want to say something crazy, right? But al- almost feels like the weight where you could go the lowest, and then you could say, oh, I could see that guy All-American. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone like uh, Jack Medley, who was ranked like at 24, I've been really impressed. He had, he had the decision. He, he only lost by decision to Spencer Lee, and then he looked really good against Eric Barnett. Um, you know, he's a guy where I feel like, wow, if he got hot, I could see him beating some of these guys for sure. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so 25, I feel like you'd go really far down. Maybe a Nick Aguilar from Rutgers, I feel like. Uh, Jacob Camacho is another good one. 
yeah, I feel like you're really deep, and you can still see some of those guys all American. Hey, also, update, um, when we were talking about Bowen being the two seed, he's number one in RPI. So if he takes care of business at ACC. Over Zahid? Should... Zahid is three. Bowen, what? Lujan, what Valencia, kind of... Venz, Asad are your top five for RPI right now. How How is Zahid number three? How is this <laughs> even possible? Bowen has a much tougher uh, schedule than Zahid this year. Yeah, but Zahid smashed everybody. But RPI he, doesn't look is, at what, the margin of victory, Ben. Does he have a tougher it doesn't schedule? Look at mar- yes. Yes, hundred really? percent. Wow. So he's not being he's being ranked Billy Janzer, but it's, uh, not, it's Taylor Vance, Sammy Colbray, Louis Dupre, Trent Hidley, Andrew Morgan, Marcus Coleman. That's a pretty good resume, right Dylan there. Dylan Wiseman. Yeah, that feels better he's, than Bowen has basically all those same wins. Bowen's got a Hidley, Wiseman, Luhan, um, Waddell's really high. To pray, Morgan, like he's got. It's all right. Doesn't the loss take away from it? Um, the RPI? I'm not 100 percent sure. It might, yeah. Uh, huh. Citadel assistant coach Cody oh, Cleveland wait, wait. just put yeah, in you... chat RPI formula win percentage times 0.25 plus opponent win percentage times 0.5, and then plus opponent. Opponent win percentage. Okay, times here's 0. the thing, 0. though. And so C- your Cody win is the man. Is only twenty five percent. Yes, and Cody's that's the crazy. man for sharing that. However, I don't think that's how it's actually done, because. <laughs> well, here's what I'm gonna say. Here's what I'm gonna say. There's there's two there's two people now that have tried to do that throughout the course of the year, and both have been incorrect. Alex Steen did it a couple years ago, and WrestleStat tried to do it this year, and they both came up with things that did not match what Wait. the RPI was when it came out. And that's why I said on Twitter so the other R- day that the NCAA Wait, no man, doesn't RPI put out their formula? Are they you're saying it's hidden? I'm saying the formula that's putting out, people are trying to match it, and it's not coming up with the same thing that the NCAA is putting out when the RPI rankings come out. And so something is getting lost in translation. And that's why I said on Twitter the other day the NCAA should put out the formula, show show the numbers so that everyone can double check it, and put it out starting in like December and have an asterisk and say this person does not have enough matches. So like they know when they know when people do it because it shouldn't be a nuclear secret. And I think yeah. I think like I think the NCAA is open to doing this. Um, I just think there's something getting lost in translation that the guys who tr- made an honest attempt to do it, why they came up with something different than the NCAA. Sure, that's yeah. you want to get me fired that's, up. Talk about talk about seating. <laughs> That'll get me fired up. I'm, I'm about to talk no, about man, you see it, you see. You see the Sebastian Rivera eleven. Yeah, and we can talk about that later. You wear, Penn State, Ohio are you wearing State a Northwestern first. sweatshirt? Are yeah, you I, did. Sweatshirt? <laughs> I did that on take, purpose. Take it off. Take it off. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that later. Uh, let's finish this duel. We up can't real talk quick. about it now. We can't talk right, about it now. Let's finish this duel and then we'll talk about it. Let's hey, just... wait. Look, can, can, can I ask one thing? How audacious were the Instagram takes to that post? I didn't look Did at it. Did you guys them. read some of the comments? Oh, you guys got to read the comments. Lowest common denominator. All right, real quick. Jared Trombley uh, makes it three straight wins for NC State. He decks Colin Girardi. Beautiful mm-hmm. um, short offense. Jumped to the side, locked the cradle up, and he was he was so stuck. Um so and, stuck. Hey, isn't Cradle? I always I, isn't Cradle the greatest move ever. We've seen a lot of Cradle <laughs> pins lately. We are seeing a lot of them. Sedge Live almost got I pinned think, in the Cradle. Was every pin in this duel a Cradle? 
Well, Smelter was. And then oh, Andonian was yeah. too. So yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. Also, uh, three. I'm gonna go Homer here. There was a big pin in the Maryland Independent State Finals where a freshman pinned a multiple-time National Prep All-American in the cradle. Meyer Shapiro, coached by Johnny Morrison. What's, I'm, he, what's I, he talking about? I don't know. I'm, so Maryland I'm State Finals. Yeah, some Maryland State Finals. <laughs> a, a freshman beat a freshman ah. nationally ranked guy with a cradle. Because it's a great move. Okay. It's my favorite move as well. It is a great. Yeah, Meyer Shapiro. Yeah. He's a man. I don't know him. He's a man. Well, okay. you'll you'll learn him. And then okay. um, the final match, Mitch Moore nearly pinned Tariq Wilson in the first period. He probably was pinned. He almost beat him at CKLV. Tariq yeah. got him in overtime. Um, Tariq's never Tariq's never going to return to form. His for, the form is is lost at sea. Will never be found. <laughs> lost at sea. It, it's hard to match the level he was he was at in Cleveland that year. He he was just on another planet. Yep. All right, so I, I guess before we we talk Ohio, Ohio State, Penn State, Nomad, we mentioned it. Let's get into it. Uh, seating for the Big Ten tournament, you have Sebastian Rivera seated 11th. Explain yourself. Okay, so I'm going to preface <laughs> this. I'm going to preface this by saying y'all are, y'all are soft, wrestling fans, okay? <laughs> you want to talk about a meritocracy. You want to talk about earning things, okay? What? Has Sebastian Rivera done this year, resume-wise, to earn a better seed at Big Tens? Now, I wore wait, this wait, Northwestern hoodie. Can I ask a yeah, question? Go ahead. Does, la- does last year count for zero? It, it it counts for as much as they wanted to count for. Okay, well, what does it count for? Big Ten, Big Ten basically has no rules. The coaches oh, vote. No rules. The coaches vote, so you hand in a sheet that's 1 through 14 – they average okay. it, and then they go to a meeting okay. the night before or whatever, like day before they have a conference call or whatever, and then they're like, are you guys up or down? Oh, so however, there's no way he's getting seated 11. There's no way however, hold 11. on, hold on. However, the NCAA, <laughs> NCAA only counts this year for seating. This year, yes, yes. So why should the conferences be any different? That they, should, they, should, they should systemize that, right? You shouldn't have – because then, then you can get drastically different seating if you count last year versus this year. Exactly. For, for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. That's not good. So if NCAA doesn't count it, conferences shouldn't count it. But if NCAA starts doing it, which I think a lot of people would be okay with, then the conferences can do it. Now, okay, on to my next point. If you want me to seed it by prediction and why I'm wearing this Northwestern thing, I have said – Seabass is going to win. I said he's going to win Midlands. I said he's going to win this. I said Whoa. he's going to win NCAAs. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I, I said know, a couple be, weeks ago. Remember that, Brecky? That would mean three in a row. He's going to beat He's going to beat um, <laughs> Austin DeSanto, then Roman Bravo Young, then Seth Gross, three in a row. Do you know yes. how amazing that would be? That that would be incredible, and so that so that's that's my point. If you want if you want to go, well, you know, well, okay. you you see it how you think it's going to go. Okay, well then I I think it should be Seabass one, Gross two, RBY three, Desanto four. You want to talk about how I think it's going to go? That's how I would seed it. So shut up, fans. So who, I think who, I hate Sebastian Rivera. <laughs> who are the four or five seeds in your seeding criteria? Um, are you saying like if if I have Sebastian eleven? Yeah, yeah. Who, who are four and five? Well, uh, I just, I don't think, I, I think he's actually probably gonna end up six or seven. I don't really see a realistic chance where he ends up four or five because there are some guys with some really good resumes right, right below RBY and Desanto. Well, right. So, and and so here's my thing. So there's, so there's, there's three options. Okay. Okay. You go 
quote-unquote common sense, okay, where he is the five seed because okay. you you just have to acknowledge Piotrowski had an amazing season, only lost to the guys above him. Sebastian didn't finish yep. the mas- match against him, and four and five are the same thing, okay? So that's the common sense move. Well, yes, four and five are the same thing. Now, there is – and remember, I was the guy who said Chenzo should be the three seed last year because he didn't wrestle Wick because – I believe you should reward guys who are on the mat. I understand why Sebastian wasn't on the mat. Yep. That was not his choice. He wasn't avoiding anyone. He was legitimately hurt. The coaching staff was doing was yep. best for him. However, the other two options are to make him the 11, punish him for not – not punish him so much for not wrestling, but reward the guys who did wrestle all year. And then he has to go through 3-2-1 in a row or make him the 12, which is the 5, and then the four best guy, four best guys are separated. Those are your three options. Everything else is disingenuous to the people who wrestled all year. To Ridge Lovett yeah. and Sammy Alvarez. Sammy Alvarez took the mat on Friday night. He had a good year. He Sebastian, really good Sebastian year. didn't. And Wait, again, where I don't think Sebastian Joey was ducking Silva? him. Where's Joey Silva? Someone tell me. He's he he only he only wrestles home duels. <laughs> I'm well, serious. Does he have some type of uh um thing where he can't leave the state of Michigan? You know, maybe a rest warrant or something? <laughs> I don't think he has a wrestle wrestler. He's just only wrestled home duels. <laughs> Maybe there what is. You, Maybe what do you have him projected here? I have him as like 13? 11. No, you have beat. Sebastian Wait, Rivera 11. No, well, I know, but this was because I thought – this was before I thought Alvarez was going to – Alvarez going to be him. So he would be he would be like 10 or 12, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Wow. The big, t- the big t- 10 is crazy at 133. Yes. Now, Ben – where do yes. you fall on so regardless of like Sebastian Rivera himself, where do you fall on my stance that you should reward guys who wrestle and you can also do comp you can also you can also do things where a guy falls in the bracket in a way that still doesn't screw up the bracket. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean I agree obviously I agree with you. In this case, it's really hard because you know what you would say is that Sebastian is so much better than um Piotrowski and Alvarez and love it. You know, so you kind of feel as though he should be the four because he is, I mean, he was beating Piotrowski fairly easily there. You know, at the same time, you feel like, hey, maybe though he hasn't wrestled, you should reward the other guy. So I feel like, I feel like your argument to put him at 12 is probably better because then the four best guys are separated. Um, because I, th- I think it is pretty clear to everyone that. Gross, RBY, DeSanto, and Sebastian are the four best guys. Okay, so you think so you think twelve is reasonable? I think that's kind of where you have to. I think that's kind of where you would have to put him. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, Ben Smart. It is, it is disingenuous <laughs> to your point. I'm just saying, like Ridge Lovett wrestled all year. Sammy Alvarez yeah. wrestled all year. These guys took yeah. the mat, beat guys below them. Sebastian was one and two in conference matches, and one of them was an injury default, and one of them was over King Sandoval, who's going to be your 13 or 14 seed. So, yeah, you can say it's punishing a guy for not wrestling. I look at it the other way and saying it's rewarding guys who are being on the mat. And again, I understand why Sebastian wasn't wrestling. I agree with it. I'm perfectly fine with it. However, if you know you guys want to say we should punish people for not taking the mat, and then I do this and everybody freaks out. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can't have it both ways. I, I do. I, you, you're, you're hundred percent right. I can't take it when people want it both ways. That, that one, that one drives me crazy. Or when they try to use uh, an example here and then they're, they're, you know, are essentially arguing with their own example over here. That, that one does drive me crazy. So I, I'm going to be consistent every time I do. Uh, every time I do see projections, there's going to be one where I like basically take a stand and go, "This is bullcrap. <laughs> this guy didn't wrestle. The resume is objectively better." This is this is how you do it, and again, you can still do it in a way that doesn't screw up the bracket. So, sorry to hijack this, but I think we've decided Sebastian Rivera, 12 seed NC at Big Tens, and he's going to win anyway. Wow. Um. Okay. So, talking about Sebastian, he he was he was back this weekend on Sunday. Uh, he got a first period. But he didn't fall. wrestle Friday. Correct. Who, who do you have Friday? Sammy Alvarez. Alvarez. Um, yeah. He didn't wrestle Friday. Came back Sunday against King Sandoval. Maryland got a pin in the first period, and he was looking thick. He was. He I mean, he's that thick. He's got to make. He's got to make 125 at the qualifier. I'm telling uh, you, he just looked like a guy that hasn't been able to work out fully. Yeah, because he's injured. I know. I know. Right? That's like, all I'm saying. It's just like he, he didn't look as, uh, maybe as as lean as he did at Midlands. Yeah. And Ben, okay. let, let me get your take on this on on like Sebastian. So Sebastian comes from the MMA world, right? Where he, he wants to go into MMA. What what do you do in MMA? You do like yeah. five or six week fight camp, right? You think that's what he's doing? Yes, <laughs> that's what he that's what he has to do. That's what he has to do. That's 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 when he got cleared to wrestle. But I don't I don't I don't think his plan was to get hurt. He didn't obviously, have that plan. No, I'm, I'm saying obviously his plan was to get hurt, but once he got hurt. And the timeline yeah. of him getting cleared, he he is in a five or six week fight camp. Sure. Yeah, but then well, that, but then his fight camps gonna extend to the qualifier. No, he's not That's doing like, Pan Am qualifier. Like, no, no, no. The uh, the last chance. That's like ten weeks away, right? Is yeah. It, is it four weeks after Ente's? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So he's got like a ten, he's got a ten week camp. He's got an extended camp. Okay. Good point. Yeah. 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 So uh, man, I, I'm. I wish he would have wrestled Friday night. I think that would have gave us some more clarity in the situation. Yep. <clears throat> I agree. That would have been really nice. All right. We finally need to get into it. Penn State, Ohio State from the sold-out Bryce Jordan Center. I believe the, th- the third largest indoor wrestling crowd um, to see a, to see a duel. Nearly 16,000 really? people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyways, the, the big story is, is Nick Lee, Luke Pletcher. Ben, what were your thoughts? Nick Lee wore him out. Nick Lee looks like he's on another level because I thought Pletcher was on another level this year. I think Nick Lee should legitimately be uh, considered for Hodge right now. You're crazy. I'm crazy. You're crazy. Why? Because I didn't say he should win. I said he should be in consideration. He's majored. He majored Tristan. He majored Chad Red. I'm sorry. He pinned no. Yeah, he majored Chad Red. He pinned Mitch McKee. I mean, his bonus rate is really high. I don't see why he can't be in, in consideration. Well, I mean, no, man. This moves him into like fourth place right now, right? Yeah, that's so what I have him at. That's what I have him at. Okay, then he's in the conversation. Okay. Yeah, but I'm yeah, saying that's, Zahid that's and Spencer fair. are on a different tier of everyone. Okay. What, well, I mean, Nickley. okay, but Zahid just had a decision win against Dylan Wisman. Spencer Lee just had a decision win against Jack Medley. Now, when I say he had a decision win against Dresden Simon, 
I, I don't know him. Okay. Anyway, say <laughs> <laughs> Nick Lee bonuses to the finals of the NCAA and then beats uh, Luke Pletcher. And say uh, Zahid and Spencer have, say, three decision wins at NCAAs. Would yeah, Nick Lee yeah. be on a reasonable consideration? Sure, but you're talking about okay. you're you're talking about things that are like currently outside of the like the realm of likelihood. Sure, that that's fair. But I mean, what if say in the round of sixteen, Spencer Lee had Jack Medley and uh, Zahid had Dylan Wisman? That's a possibility. I mean, <laughs> yes, Ben. Like, if, if Nick Lee bonuses the rest of the year and Chenzo Spencer and Zahid don't bonus the rest of the year, yeah, sure. But we're, op- what, we're what operating are, in like likelihoods to, right now. I'm, okay, I'm trying to find your article right now. For from this, you've done a new one this week, right? I haven't done the one for this week. I'm writing it today. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm trying to <clears throat> look up percentages. Uh, you try to look up what right you now. You cut out there. What'd you say, Ben? I said I'm trying to look up what your bonus percent the bonus percentages are right now. So Nick, Nick Lee's 88.24. Yeah. What are the other guys at? Zahid's 85. I have his pulled up. Okay. And Spencer's probably going to be a little bit higher because he only has one. It is. One. He's 85.71. Damn, so Nick Lee's leading, leading the bonus right now. Wow. <clears throat> now, what are your – I'm I'm actually okay. I know Christian doesn't like this. I'm actually okay with past accomplishments being a criteria. I don't love it. I think it's way – for me, it's way down there. For me, this is a one-season award. And you know we can maybe take a tiny bit of what they've used to, what they have done into it. But for me, it's what did they do this year? That's what it is for me. Can I introduce a thought to your head, Ben? Because you literally, you literally had to go through this. Yeah. And I think maybe the best example could be like an Imar. Okay. When you are the champ. Do you think? So say you win as a sophomore or junior, you come back the next year. Uh Do you think you get? more of the other guy's best attempts as opposed to before you're the champ. Because I think that's what yeah, happened I, to Imar. I think Imar got way more guys strategizing for him, giving it their best effort, and that's why his bonus rate and his dominance kind of went down his last two years. I, I don't think it's specifically the champs. I think it's it's high-level wrestlers. Cause, cause, and then what happens is here, – here's exactly what happens is if you're diverse enough, if you're very diverse in your attacks – People can't game plan for you. They can't game plan for Zahid. They can't game plan for Nick Lee. Or, or you're so good at what you do, i.e. Spencer Lee. And there, there's been very in – in the history – all of the history of wrestling, there's been very few people like Spencer Lee who are mm-hmm. so good at what they do, and it's very specific. But they somehow they still get it over and over and over again. And so if you fall in another category where you do very specific things, like IMR would be the underhook, or like Chenzo, he does a few very specific takedowns. Um, Alex Marinelli is very specific. So if you're if you're at that good rate, people are gonna they know what you do. They've seen you for one or two or three years in NCAA wrestling, and if they can game plan for that, they will. And so people can't game plan for Nick Lee. He does too many things. I mean, I, I think that's just what it comes down to. Okay, is that fair? Yeah, I just th- th- that's that's why I'm okay with with um. Past results mattering because I feel like, <clears throat> like I don't know. I've just heard a lot of people say in many different sports, it is easier to get to the top than to hold the top. I I, I feel like for specific styles, like if you come out of nowhere, you know, got a guy who I think of like this is a guy named Nick Marable. You guys remember him? Of course. <laughs> I, I was coaching him at Missouri, 
Uh, his first year, so his first year where he actually started. So his freshman year, so his redshirt year, and then his freshman year. His red, freshman year, he was really good, but he was behind uh, Matt Pell and myself. And but we you know we used him varsity for certain times, and then so he comes out as, as a sophomore, and his only losses were Mark Perry twice, and he bumped up against Keith Gavin, and he lost that match. Who was, so the, the both national champions were his only losses. He had three losses, two to Mark Perry, one to Keith Gavin, but he had a very specific style. He, and for folk style, he wasn't great on top, so he barely ever rode, and he wasn't great on bottom. And his style was, they would shoot him. He was a master at go-behinds, I and mean, he had nasty go-behinds. But he couldn't generate a lot of his own offense. So the year he took third NCAs, everyone's shooting on him. He hits a go-behind. Well, once he's winning, they got to keep coming at him, and he scores more and more and more, right? Mm-hmm. Well, his junior year, what does everyone say? Well, this guy's really good. I know he can't shoot very much. I'm not going to shoot on him. So, I mean, oh, my God. He had so many matches that were like 2-1, 3-1, overtime, 3-2. I'm going to try to ride him for a minute and 10 and win, you know, just barely win. And I think he had like nine losses that year. So, something totally crazy, right, where he went from three losses to national champs to nine losses. So, if your style is really specific and not diverse, people can absolutely game plan for you. But if your style is very diverse, like Nick Lee's is, like Zahid Valencia is, it's really, really hard to game plan for. That's kind okay. of my take. Yeah. Um, I'll give you, <clears throat> I'll give you some some quick numbers here, Ben. I haven't done oh. the average time on Matt, but so dominant score. So we're we're just looking at the top the top four guys because I think they're pretty separated. Who, who's three? I'm I'm blank. Is not is it? Gable? Uh, Chenzo. I have Chenzo, Chenzo three. Okay. So top four guys, Spencer Lee. If again, if you treat every match like a dual meet, dominant score is five. Then Zahid four point eight eight two. Then Nick Lee four point seven six five. Vincenzo four point four one seven. Okay. Bonus Spencer's one with ninety two. Zahid and Nick Lee tied for second at eighty eight. Chenzo third with sixty seven percent. Pin rate. Okay. Zahid at the top forty one percent. Then Chenzo thirty three percent, then Nick Lee twenty three and a half, and then Spencer Lee twenty three point one. Yeah. So I think I think I'll stick with my initial assessment that Nick Lee definitely he's not the favorite for the Hodge, but I think I think he's in the conversation. And if if those uh, top guys slip up and Nick Lee keeps going, and this is something I mean I said last year, when is Nick Lee going to develop? I mean, do you guys remember the ass kicking that Dom Demas gave Nick Lee at mm-hmm. NCAA's last year? And you were like. Holy moly. Jay, not, yeah, I mean, and you were like, holy moly. I guess Nick Lee's just not getting very much better. And now this year, I know Yanni's not there, and I know Jay's not there, but I feel like Nick Lee has made this jump from his sophomore year to his junior year that is really impressive. Okay, I, 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 um, I like all your points about that. Um, I thought you were saying he was, like, the favorite. That's why I got so fired up. Yes, he's definitely <laughs> in the conversation. And I think <clears throat> I think it's going to be really hard if, like, if Chenzo goes 3-for-3 three three against Marinelli, if Lee goes 3-for-3 three three against Pletcher, if Kemmer goes 3-for-3 three three against Hall, like, all those guys need to be very legitimate because of how clear, like, the 1-and-2 is. Um, my last thing on on the Hodge, because this is a, a thing with Dave Brady and I talked about, and then we got to get into Ohio State-Penn State, but um, how much should – in the past, freestyle credentials didn't count, right? Like the the Kyle Snyder yes. corollary, where yep. and, and that was partially because he only wrestled like five matches, so it kind of it was like completely different than Zahid and Spencer, who basically wrestled full schedules. If you include freestyle credentials for just for just like during the season, then Zahid is clear clearly the number one for winning both senior nationals and yeah. Mateo. Spencer Lee is the two with senior nationals. Nick Lee is the three. 
for winning um, or for getting third at senior nationals. Yep. And then Chenzo and Gable somewhere in there. Gable won. Um, Gable won. Bill Farrell beating the guy who won senior nationals and Don Bradley. <clears throat> and Chenzo um, made the semis and beat Makai Lewis. Yeah, I think I don't think you count freestyle. I think this is a folk style award for the folk style season. And that's it. Okay. Because yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I agreed with it at the time with like Snyder Zane, but now I'm I'm kind of lean now I'm kind of starting leaning that it should count because that to me is is like an example of why Zahid and Spencer are so far ahead also yeah I mean I I don't think I don't count it in my head at all but obviously Zahid and Spencer both have um really really impressive and, and you know what the fact is it just wouldn't be finished up because we don't we can they can look at it as shiny as they want but we don't really know to Olympic trials who's gonna have better Yep. Right. I mean, that that's when it's going to be the final determination. Well, and that's why kind of the, the time period that the Hodge is given out is, yeah. is usually going to be like about after that. So I'd be fine if they waited until Olympic trials and that was factored in. I really would. But then that would be only this year because then generally speaking, the world team trials are a month later or so. Um, and I, I feel like in past years, they picked it like the Monday after NCAAs. Yeah. And maybe they don't announce till a little bit later. But I feel like they pick it almost right away. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, yes, I agree with you that Nickley's in the conversation. I still think Zahid and Spencer are to your above. Um, anyway, sorry to hijack with the Hodge conversation because we do need to talk about the rest of Penn State. Hey, how about Gas Tank Gary? My Tuesday headline was Gas Tank Gary blows the roof off the Bryce Jordan Center. And, unfortunately, uh, Caleb Romero decided to get pinned, so, you know, he didn't give Gas Tank Gary the, the setup to be able to do so. <laughs> but Gas Tank Gary needs some respect. Yes, he does. Uh so he beat he beat Seth Nevels with a, a late takedown in the third, and he had to go get it, and he did a beautiful high crotch. And he picked big snacks up off the mat and <laughs> ah, put him down per his father's that request. Was, yes, that was his impressive. Um, and then he rode him like the last fifteen seconds because an escape would a he had to get rid yeah. of riding time. There was like five seconds of riding time he had to get yep. rid of, and then he he rode him. Um, and it, what's great about the video is uh. Or the match, you can see Gary's dad going nuts. <laughs> oh, you you can? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that. I'll send you a link. And then, uh, so someone tweeted out the video and was like, the best part of this is Mr. Traub going crazy. And then uh, Gary quote tweeted it and said, he was screaming all match, put him in the air. <laughs> so he put him in the air. No, he did not. He was not. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <sighs> Oh, that's he, so I mean, they, they were talking about it on the broadcast. The dude weighs 227 pounds. Oh, that's big, all he weighs? That's what they said. He's, he's not that big. Oh, man. Big Snacks has to be 250 plus. Oh, he's big. He, it, I mean, he, he looks more than 250. I don't know that he is, but he looks bigger than He that. picked him up and put him down. <laughs> and we, we we got some questions about Gaston Gary. Some, someone asked um, if – if he could win the this Hodge. Is shenan- based, this is shenanigans. Citizenship and heart alone. Based on his citizenship and heart. <laughs> shenanigans. I, I think you have to talk about it. <laughs> oh, for God. Stop. No, I'm just kidding. But that Don't, was encourage, really funny... the, don't encourage these trolls. <laughs> that was a really funny question. Uh, I mean, that was a heck of a win. He's up to number 17 in the rankings. Uh, all for a guy that, w- that was a walk-on. And it is literally yeah. still third string at the start of the year. Yeah, and it is he works part time. 
Like it's it's no. Crazy. I thought he quit. His, I thought Tom Ryan made him quit his job. And he might he might have quit now that he's like the full time starter and everything. But he yeah. was working like part time to start the year. That's a real blue collar American man right there. Heck yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> Mark Hall, like you said, kind of kind of put this out of reach there. You know, Vincenzo. Didn't Caleb Romero know that Mark Hall does mixers? I mean, you would think everyone would know. Like Mark's still hitting it on people this year. And come on. Mixer. Like, you know it's coming. You know he's going to hit it. Yeah, Romero's not the yeah. only one who, who's fallen victim to that after they should have known it's coming. Um, what do you What do you do in that front headlock then? It, like, I mean, you know what's so impressive about Mark Hall as mixers? He doesn't, he doesn't grab the hand, right? Which is that, that's what makes it so tricky and so tough to defend. But you, you got you to have that feeling that there's a chance he's going that right to, to the underhook side. And so you gotta be ready to either post extra or you know with your hand or and or use your foot to make sure you don't go over, right? You have to be bracing for that because that is uh obviously that's not just like you're just giving up a takedown. That's like if he hits you on that, it's it's over. It's done. So you gotta be bracing for that a little bit. Yeah, and and that match combined with uh Chenzo kind of pushing for that that major in the third and getting it kind of put that put the duel out of reach. Oh, and then Aaron Brooks put it on Rocky. Oh, that was the one that put it out of reach, I thought. I mean, I thought that that could be a competitive match and Rocky Jordan might keep it close. I mean, Rocky Jordan's beat good guys this year. He beat Taylor Renz. Aaron Aaron Brooks (laughs) put it on him. My God. I mean, yeah, that was was really impressive. I mean, Brooks, I, I, I think someone said this. I don't know if it was a question for friends or I don't know. Maybe you guys said this in the thing, but I feel like Brooks is jumping levels. Yeah, yeah, he he looks I mean, really good. Uh, how yes. high up that pecking order do you think he can go? Uh, really high. I mean, like, in, I, like I feel, finals high. Like yeah, like finals. I feel like he go to. I mean, obviously, I don't know if he's even on the opposite side of the heat. I don't. I don't feel like he's the heat level, but I feel as though. Um, yeah, I feel as though he could go very, very high up the list, all the way up to finalists. Well, he did say he was going to pin Zahid in March. So I that, mean, was dumb. that was dumb. <laughs> yeah, he was, but, at the point at that point he was losing six to zero. Yeah, but um, <laughs> the, the I mean Penn State's really like their season ride. Their not their season, but well, yeah, the season. The NCAA's rides on Aaron Brooks and RBY because Nickley should be first or second. Chenzo should be first or second. Mark Hall should be first or second. But RBY's variance is fourth through first. Aaron Brooks's variance is. I don't know, eighth through first yep, or second probably. But, I mean, the last two weeks, 13-3 over Webster, 15-4 over Rocky. Seems like he's finally healthy because he got dinged up after um, dinged up after senior nationals, and then I think he got something else nagging him in, like, early January. So I think he's both, like, peaking in terms of skill and also his body is, is back to being fresh and, and as healthy as one can be this late in the season. Yeah. Agreed. I don't know about you guys. I keep like waiting for uh, Shakur Rashid to like return to form. I don't and, think it's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm starting to think that too. Colin Moore uh, majored him. They'd had two and three point matches in the past, but Moore got to take down like the first ten seconds, and it was over as soon as that happened. Um, yeah. Oh, 157. We saw Brady Berge back, um, and not, and that wasn't pretty. It was not. It, it looked like he had not been on the mat a ton. Uh, and you, he got an early takedown with a nice drag, um, but then 
he just didn't have it in the third period, and, and Kinner gets the takedown, and then the tough ride. He's good on top, so that once he got the takedown, I felt like he was going to ride him out. Yeah, I mean that the Bergie, you know, obviously I don't know what his issues were or are were are I don't know what it is, um, but man, when a guy can bump up from one thirty three and take you out, you're you're not a factor at that weight class. It's just so unfortunate that I mean, and again, you know, we. Uh, I literally just talked about RBY and Aaron Brooks. Like, if they can, you know, get it done, then then Penn State is a much better, um, much higher likelihood of being able to challenge Iowa. But it just stinks that we're not going to get full health Penn State. And then, you know, like, Bergie, Shakur, Kazar is completely done. done. Shakur and Bergie, yeah. I don't know if they're ever going to be fully healthy for the rest of the year. And it just, it just stinks that, um, you know, if Iowa beats – Penn State that it won't be full Penn State and that's not Iowa's problem if they do it but it just it's tough man yeah I don't think you can even count that full health because I mean you know like Kemmerer last year I mean sure is if you I, I'm sure if you really think deeply enough about all of the teams that were second or third place at NCAAs you're going to find a whole bunch of injuries um yep. so I, I don't think you said that obviously de- depth ba- depth matters and you know and no Penn State just doesn't have it. They can't find someone to plug in at um, 57. And let me throw this one out to you guys. They, they can't find someone at 25, that's for sure. I mean, Meredith is not getting it done. So 33 at Ohio, versus Penn State, Ohio State, really good for Penn State. 41, really good for Penn State. 49, Verclearance making really good improvements. Can he get over the hump? I don't know. So after 149 pounds, I'm like, wow, maybe finally what Christian is saying is right, that Penn State's going to close the gap, you know? But then I see 57, like, okay, they're, they're scoring zero there. And then uh, 97 heavyweight, okay, they're scoring very little at 97. They're scoring almost zero at heavyweight. So despite the fact that they're wrestling really well at those five weight classes, and then I'm going to even add in Verclaren, so five, five and a half to six weight classes, the other weight classes, it just looks like they're getting zero points. And with as good as Iowa is, um, man, they are, they're just not going to get it done. I mean, that's kind of, I still, I feel, I feel the same way I did previously. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't emphasize this enough. Jared Verclaren was born with a condition that makes it hard to cut weight. Is and that true? Is it, or is it true? Yeah, he's diabetes. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, Jared Verclaren is basically, in my opinion, one of the single most impressive wrestlers in Division One for the last several years because it, it the smallest thing can throw off his weight cut. Yeah. And then he still goes out and wins matches, still goes out and goes into overtime with Sasso and Brayton Lee. Um, but it's just hard to rely on a guy like that, not because Jared's doing anything wrong, but just because his his body has something different that most, most 99% of the guys in NCAA doesn't have. So are, are you guys feeling the same way I just said about Penn State, like that they, you know, that as good as some of the guys wrestling that they just can't really challenge? Yeah, I agree. They just don't have enough weapons. You know, like enough firepower. Mm-hmm. They when Iowa's rolling ten deep, the have legitimate chances of finishing in the top eight, and uh, another four or five guys that have legitimate chances of making the finals. Um, then yeah, it, it's just not enough this year. If I, it were another year, then yeah, they absolutely could win with five guys, but not this year. Twenty seventeen, they proved that. Yeah. Um, I also think yeah. that this is one of the few instances where 
whatever Iowa may lose in like variance of guys underperforming seed or ranking, like whatever that possibility is, they're going to make up a bonus. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's kind of the difference where sure Iowa may underperform. They may also overperform, but they may under like, you have to acknowledge they may underperform, but I still think that gets made up with Spencer's bonus. I think that gets made up with, you know, Marinelli bonusing. I think maybe Cassiope bonuses, you know, DeSanto bonus. So I, I just think there there's more paths to victory for them. Um, and then as easily as Penn State could have four national champs and Brooks in the finals, they could also have zero national champs and RBY finishes fourth and Brooks finishes fifth. Hey, that that was a really good question, Nomad, and, and the questions were friends. Someone said, what is more likely, that Penn State has zero champions or four champions? And you just mentioned there are four, four possibilities. What do you think? More likely is zero. I cannot but it's see very realistic. You think so? Yeah. Really? I, so I feel like I cannot see one of those guys not winning. Yeah, I'm with you. So I, th- I feel like it's more than – I think it's more likely they get four. Now, I don't think four is very likely. So if I, if I had to put, per- put percentages on zero, one, two, three, and four, the, obviously it's going gonna, it's gonna to go like this, right? And there's going to be m- the bulk of it probably at one or two national champions. Sure. Um, but golly, if Mark and Vincenzo and Nick Lee of all of those guys don't win, oof, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I guess, no, I guess you're right. There's no way they don't win one. Yeah. At least one. Um, I mean, I guess it's possible if, if Pletcher, you know, gets the first couple takedowns is able to, is able to shut him down. Maybe, um, we've seen Marinelli beat Chenzo and we've seen Kemmer beat Hall, but man, it just feels like all three of those things happening. Wow, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Ben, do you know what the gap is down to? The team score gap according to our rankings? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go look. It's got. What would you guess? Think. Well, yeah. I I will I will lost points to 84. They're, they're not getting anything there now. Um, let's see. They maintained it 25. 33 is probably down a couple points. 41 is probably right right in the middle there somewhere. Same. 49 same or down a couple. I'd say let's say 55 higher really yeah. yeah so it didn't go it didn't go down much then because it was at what 68 at the peak i think it went down a couple points yeah it's 66 and a half right now oh god i think Christian last week EDD. was like 69 nice yeah, yeah. so the the peak went the peak was 69 nice uh i'm not sure what the peak wow. was i think last week was okay dude yeah, the peak was in the yeah. 70s yeah i think it was oh it was in the 70s but here's the thing ben murin like not that Spade was, like, looking for a reason to pull him down, but, like, he hadn't wrestled in a while, and if he didn't wrestle or lost this one, he'd have a lot of reason to move down. But then he beats Mitch McKee, a guy who he had lost yeah. twice to last year, didn't have the brace on. And then yeah. Neville's he, falls, which I, I don't know how much that impacted it because he wasn't getting All-American points anyway, but Neville's falls. Yeah, they, I wouldn't have anyone else fall. I mean, the, that that was – I guess they had the, the one bad match for them was Caleb Young went to overtime with Ryan Thomas, which I think – no one really expected that to happen, I guess you'd say. Um, and Caleb Young's still a guy I feel like, man, if somehow he got beat by, let me throw two names right, BC LaPrade and Jarrett JQs, I'm not like, oh, my God, I never could imagine that happening. It's like yeah. I could see scenarios when Caleb Young takes as high as third, and I could see where he does an All-American too. Let's yeah. go ahead and jump to that duel. Yeah. Uh, since we're talking about okay. it, okay. Um, 
Iowa kind of puts it on Minnesota, but there were uh, notable results. Austin DeSanto is back. I tweeted. People yeah. people actually they appreciated my tweet this time, not like the last DeSanto tweet I made. Uh <laughs> You're being you're being too mean to Austin DeSanto. Bull bull crap I'm being too mean. No, we don't know what his listen, injury the is. The man listen, listen. The man listen. In in the RBY match, he was coming like a bat out of hell, even after the, the initial knee injury. The second time he gets locked in cradle, he taps out. Okay. He says, I am out of here. I do not want any part of this. That cradle had no effect on his knee. There, there was no torque on the inside part of his knee during that cradle. Okay. He wants out of that match. He got out of that match. Less than two weeks later, he's full go. Like I called it when it happened. I said, it's a very minor knee injury. He's going to be back really quickly. I said that he was not, two we weeks. Think about two weeks, full speed. We don't, we don't know. He's full go. He was the boot. He, was he limping? Was he limping? He was wearing a brace. Was he limping at all, or what? Did he wrestle slower? Because it didn't sure didn't look like it to me. I don't think he looked the best we've ever seen him though either, though. Well, Ben, you also know that like, it, oftentimes you look worse like when you're not in competition than you do in competition. Like when you're in competition, adrenaline's firing and you just kind of go, and then after yeah. everything's over, you limp and stuff. So I mean, my dude, dude, I get, listen, like listen. My he had a is... very minor knee injury. He's fine. He acted like a baby. You know what he should do? The best case Jeez. course of action would be saying, listen, guys, I acted like a baby. I overreacted. It happens. I'm sorry for my actions. And let's just move on. And I would say, okay, you're right. Let's move on. Let's go. I think I think you're right. He did overreact to it. And Tom Brands even said that after the duel. Uh, I, I think I honestly think it scared him. And he didn't know what was going on. And maybe the second time he did freak out a little bit. Uh, but I think and he should first, just say that. It's fine. The first injury was legit. But we also don't know the severity of it. We watched Yanni go on and win an NCAA title on a torn ACL. We watched Jason Nolf come back after what looked like a pretty scary knee injury not too long ago on a brace and look like almost bonus his way to an NCAA title in Cleveland. Yeah, but but he looked like crap in that NCAA tournament. I mean, he was able to still kill everyone, which was so impressive. But he did not look like regular Jason Nolf. You're right. But it, I guess the fact that he'd still bonus. Yanni, Yanni, Yanni is a good point. Yanni is a good argument right there because that dude tore the ACL and somehow, somehow, I don't know how he wrestled through it, but he did. That, that, that's your best yeah. argument at the tournament. That is like crazy to think about. Um, so that's yeah, really crazy. He he texts Boo Dryden, who was just looking for a throw the entire match, which I guess <laughs> that's a, it's a pretty good strategy. Um, yeah. If you know you have don't don't have anything for him defense wise, then uh, Murin comes back. I thought it was interesting. Murin said after the duel he didn't know he was going <laughs> until intermission. Um, Brand just kind of looked at him and was like, "Do you want to go?" He's like, "Heck yeah!" And he goes out and, and beats Mitchell Key. Yeah, that was uh, that that was an impressive win by him. Um, you know, Mitchell Key was close to that head pinch in the overtime, but. Uh, yeah, Max Green looks really good. I mean, I, I don't feel as though he can challenge Pletcher or Lee, but he's right in that conversation for third place for sure. Yeah, and then you you picked this upset at 149. It didn't happen, though. Uh, but I so I guess what I will say is Brayton Lee did not fall victim to the Carver, Carver crowd. I mean, he was bringing the heat on him in the third period. If that is flipped, if, if – 
Lee is Iowa and Lugo is Minnesota. I think there's a decent chance there's two stall calls in the third period. Um, now, I don't think I don't think there should have been, but let's not imagine that the refs are not influenced by the crowd because they definitely are. Um, the one that was egregious, sorry, I got ADHD. I can't help it. The one that was so egregious, I watched Sammy Sassel push for clearing out of bounds like six times in a row, okay? And for clearing didn't try all that hard to stay in bounds, and there was zero stall calls. And then, did you see the one where Cassiope pushed uh, Gable? And Gable tried so hard to stay in bounds. I mean, it was like an outstanding effort to stay in bounds. And the ref hit him for stalling. I'm like, and, oh, my. Yes, and he oh. literally just gotten an escape on the edge of the mat. Yeah. That was that was egregious. That was absolute that was terrible. You're right. He he got an terrible. escape literally like half in, half out, and then Cassiope yeah. just pushes him out of bounds and they hit him for stalling. That was terrible. You're right. That was terrible. So so if that's the other way, so you know, Brayton Lee, he he's and I kind of brought this up, he's scoring so much off reattacks and he gets the reattacks because he hand fights so hard, but he needs to find a way to open up his own off. And this is kind of like what you guys talked about earlier, these guys being scouted more. Both Brayton Lee and uh, Sammy Sasso rely so heavily on their underhooks to get to their offense, and when they can't get there, they, they struggle. And underhook is probably one of the easiest places to shut people down um, when you don't, you know, if they're really good game plan, they're disciplined to keep their elbows in and not give people that. It's a really easy position to shut down. And I think we're seeing that with both Brayton Lee and Sammy Sasso. How about this, Ben? What's up? They're, they're going to be the 2-3 seed. Lugo's going to be the 2. Brayton's going to be the 3. So we'll get the rematch Saturday night, March 7th, in Minneapolis. So Brayton will get the home Not crowd. In Minneapolis. Yep. I'm sorry. NCAAs will be in Minneapolis. They'll be in Rutgers. <laughs> be a neutral crowd. I'm thinking last year. Thank you, Bracky. Anyway, rolling along. Um, who you got? <laughs> um, Man, I, I feel like it's going to look the exact same way if – Lugo can get, get – and so Lugo got to his underhook score, right? Am I right on that or am I wrong? I'm yeah, blanking got, on how Lugo got the takedown. He got he, – oh, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying did he get a takedown. Yeah, he got a takedown. I'll have to pull it up to remember okay. exactly what he did. So, anyways, I'm, I'm blanking. So, yeah, if Lugo can shut down Brayton Lee where Brayton can't get to his underhook, he's going to have a hard time winning. But I'm sure Brayton's going to be coming hard in the third period too where um, it's going to be really competitive 3-2 type, 4-3 type match like, like it was on Friday night. But you're leaving Lugo in the rematch. Yeah, I, there's nothing really that I'm like, oh, he got luckier. There was just like he was just a little bit better. He got the one takedown. I think it's gonna be a really, really tight match the next time also. Okay. Um let's jump to well one eighty I think we kinda hit on Young having the close match. Marinelli, Kimmer dominate. Isn't it one hundred eighty four that go yeah. with Cash Wilkie again? Um I'm perplexed by that. Are you guys perplexed by this too? Well, I think we got a little bit more clarity after the duel. Tom said that Abe will be back next week. Um, okay. So that makes Oklahoma me think State. That he, yeah, that makes me think that he was banged up. So it will be Abe Assad, barring any kind of injury going into the postseason. So that does clear some things up because I, I was starting to question whether they were going to wrestle Abe and go with Wilkie. Um, now, it probably would have made their decision a lot tougher if Wilkie had beat Webster. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Ben, the, the Lugo takedown post – um, attacked Brayton's left leg, kind of like knee pull, and yeah. then got it up a little bit, and then went um, yeah. trip with Lugo yeah. left leg tripped Brayton's leg, and it was like eight or nine yeah, second maybe. finish. It was a pretty, it was yeah. pretty solid leg attack. Yeah. So, um, so I was wrong on the underhook. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think next time I'll say the same. I think next time's gonna be kind of similar. 
as, as to that one was. Anyway, back to 184. No, that. Uh, I think the only real storyline here is who, who they would go with in the postseason and what was going on with Assad, and I think we have that kind of answered now. Where's Assad going to be seated at the at the Big Tens? Because he's missed I, a whole bunch of matches now. Yeah, I haven't done 184 yet. Um, that's a, that's an interesting one. Yeah, so Brooks will be the one because his he has just the one loss, and everybody else <clears throat> has multiple losses. So Assad is going to be somewhere, probably like four, maybe five. Yeah, it feels it feels as though there's a whole but between Assad and Caffey and Jordan and Venz and Broadnagle. It feels like a bunch of these guys have all beat each other. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Um, Caffey, so he's won. Let's see, one, two, Caffey's, three, four, five, hot. six, seven, yeah. eight, nine, ten. He's won nine or ten in a row. Um, so he should probably end up being the two or three. Yeah, yeah, he he's got a lot of good wins lately. So then, who's who's opposite him then? Is it Venz or is it? It's probably Assad at the three, right? Not Venz um, or Jordan. Yeah, because Assad yeah. Assad beat Venz. So so yeah, because his losses are to Brooks and Caffey. So it very well could be Brooks one, Caffey two, Assad three, three. Venz Jordan. Vens and Rocky four five, and then Jan, Janzer and Braun Eagle six seven probably. Yeah, Sebastian's like gonna be the hard one. I'd have to look at him, but yeah, kind of. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna end up doing it this week, um, like tonight or tomorrow. But that's kind of how it's looking right now. Nice. And then uh, Warner Majors Hunter Ritter. He looked good though. Um, he looked really good. Yeah, he looked good. Um, and then yeah. the, the biggest match of the night: uh, Gable Stevenson seven five over Tony Cassiope. Uh, you guys all owe me money. Yeah, you're right. We do. Um, <laughs> I said at odds at four and a half. It was only a, a two pointer. It was, um, and I, it feels like it was only a two pointer because Gable wanted it to be a two pointer. Well, if, I mean, so Gable, you know, I so I watched the Paris Hilger match. I don't know if we're talking about that, but that was that was an awesome match. Yeah. Um, for heavyweights, but you know, Mason Paris attacks more. Cassiope, I don't believe. He did not do any penetrations where he hit his knee. I think Correct. he did a couple high singles in that match. And that's Gable loves it when people shoot because his reattacks and his go behinds are so good. And so I always feel like he's going to have a tough time against Cassiope, where, you know, Gable doesn't take a lot of his own risks. And so, yeah, his three takedowns did look great, but he wants people to shoot on him because he's so good at those go behinds and, and reattacks. You're right. He, he is really good. But also, when that, like every time he shot, he scored. Yes. Plus, 100%. if he doesn't do the the club early, club? which I, I Bracky's how'd you feel about that, that, Nomad? I I agree. I'm gonna let Bracky talk about because I basically 100 percent agree with him. Well, they it, it was probably the right call. I think if they if they had been like standing in there like hand fighting, and then Gable came with that, he probably doesn't get called. But the fact that they weren't like they engaged. weren't tied up, yeah. engaged mm-hmm. at that time, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. Then it's probably and then the crowd went crazy yeah. and they're like, oh, hey. yeah, um, crowd, the crowd influences. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was right level. I always tell guys I'm going to have to back up to show this. Okay. Don't swing. Right. Don't swing this way. More come like at it. Right. Come like yeah. uh, an inside karate chop. Right. Gilman. I always, Gilman does that really well. Yes. And yeah, also, Ben, that, he that, gave a, he gave an escape with like one or two seconds left in the period. So yeah. if he just rides him out there for another 
four or five seconds. That's so then and and you take away that. Cassiope is pretty hard to ride though. Like I don't ever feel like Gable's he gonna is. ride him for thirty no, or forty it, seconds. Like yeah, I still think it's in the cards. That showed. I think the most he rode him for was like ten seconds. Um, but the other point I want to make is in the final fifteen seconds of the match, Tony Cassiope was losing by two points. That's a takedown. He did not make an attempt. He just headbutted Gable three times. Yeah, that was bullshit. Like just straight headbutts, and the ref didn't do a single thing. And uh, kudos to Gable for just literally like laughing it off. But one of them was even like after the buzzer. Um, that, that's 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 not cool. Uh, we saw Thomas Panola get DQ'd for it, uh, and I don't know how you can call a hard club on somebody and then just let the other guy headbutt him for fifteen seconds. Yeah, um, what what again? What if that was flip flopped? What if uh, they absolutely would have uh, called it? Oh my god, they so would have called it, right? Should, and the crowd and the crowd would have been going insane. Yes, correct. Yeah. And then I, another another thing I thought was really funny is, um, as you said, Cassiope did not touch a knee. He like kind of reached for a couple of high singles. Yeah. Um, and with like right before Gable blew through him on that last double, uh. Gable literally just circled back to the middle and the crowd started booing, like asking for stall calls. And then five seconds later, immediately blew. So ridiculous, right? Yes. So So ridiculous. I mean, that was my, so I, the Iowa team now is significantly more offensive, but that was my whole, my whole beef with Iowa for, for damn near a decade was they didn't ever shoot, but their, their crowd would just yell for stalling like a, a a bunch of dumb farmers or something. And, (laughs) For, for <laughs> I'm just trying to offend people now. <laughs> for, for some reason, uh, we just got this comment on Facebook, and uh, I saw it after the match. Uh-oh. Too. It Who? was like Gable just wants to coast. He doesn't want to. He acts like he doesn't. Oh be my there. goodness! Eighty-five, eighty-one percent of his wins, nine of eleven of his wins this year, are by bonus points. He beat yeah, Hilger ten to five when Mason Paris only beat him three to one. And he scored three times on Anthony Cassiope. You don't know what you're, you just don't like the guy. Just admit it. You don't like just, the guy. And that's fine. Yes. You don't have to. But don't. You're yes. literally lying. Call call him out, Brecky. They're lying. They're full of crap. Uh, where's it at? Neil Saunders what? T- takes energy to ride. Gable wants to coach. Knucklehead. Shut this up. other knucklehead, Tyler German, he won't shut up. He, he's annoying. He, <laughs> he needs to stop posting on the Facebook chat. Hey, let's get to questions from friends because we got some about eight minutes. Let's just harass these Facebook trolls some more. <laughs> They'll get really pissed. It would be funny, though. Um, let's see. Um, oh, Ben, you need an answer for this. Ben Darmstadt Uh-oh. lost oh, God. 12 and 12 Brandon Whitman, the guy who was unquestionably the, the second best guy at 197, going to make the finals opposite Colin Moore. I take it back. I mean, okay, there's a chance he's still going to make the finals against Colin Moore. There, there is. I take, I take, I take back that he's a second. I just watched a man kick Patrick Brookie's butt, and then I have to watch that match against Brandon Whitman. I don't, I don't know what I'm watching. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have an answer. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was a dumb statement. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that was easy. We can get to Iowa State U <laughs> and Sarah Pilato tomorrow. Bless. We yes, got a lot of good cues from F's. Um, starting with Chris Foley. As a coach, would you rather have 10 AAs with zero finalists or one champ? For me, that's pretty easy. Easy, 10 AAs. Yeah, yep. 
It's something that's only been done yeah. once. And if you have 10 EAs, you're likely going to have a chance to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have had one yeah. champ. Only one guy's <laughs> had 10 EAs. Um, yeah, that's easy one. Thoughts on Into the Blaze and U.S. Bank Stadium? I I'm nervous. I think I think it could be totally tremendous, or I think it could be awful. The one the one thought I heard was that they're going to spread the mats out evenly over the whole football field, and I just think that's going to make for really difficult spectating. I thought initially they would do something like Iowa did when they wrestled Oklahoma State, where they kind of close off like it's a U, and then yeah. they close it off with some portable stands, and then the mats are all in there, which you know it could probably seed forty to forty to fifty. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. Could be tremendous. Could be they, terrible. They did a feature on it um, that they played in between uh, intermission of Minnesota Penn State, and I believe it's on YouTube on Big Ten Network's YouTube. You can go find. Um, but it looks like all the mats will be elevated up on a stage, um, but then they will they will wow. be spread out. Like they're not going to be. They're pro- there's probably like ten fifteen yards between between them. And there's three on one side and three on the other is what the layout looked like. If they're going to do that, yeah. can we do something that wrestling has needed to do for years, which is put, like, Uh-oh. just ten feet of extra padding around the mats so nothing stupid happens? No, man. I thought you were going to say something else. What if they made the mats, like, ten feet bigger? How fantastic would that be? Yeah, yeah let's I'm, do it. I'm fine with that. Ben, did you, ever be see, awesome. uh, yes. did you ever see I was old? I, think I was got 70. pushed off a stage, no, man. I felt the pain. <laughs> you ran <laughs> off the stage. I, I didn't. Would, I didn't want to give him. If I turned in, I was going to get blasted. So that was that was off. That was that was out of the cards, right? I wasn't. Gonna, if I turned it all, he was going to freaking pick me up, and not not good things were going to happen there. So well, like I had no other options or something. <laughs> so I had no other option to you know I was eyeing up my landing like the like the airplane coming in the runway there. I was eyeing up my landing and going to make it a safe landing because I was not going to get turned in and get freaking flipped up like that that was not gonna happen <laughs> um so yes i agree with you. more padding bigger stages yeah. yeah ac ac underscore always cool it's a slick handle who is more likely <laughs> to make an olympic team this year seth gross or zahid valencia seth seth because david's so good right that's there's the no, answer there's not a i will say David, the, the when Zahid has wrestled David, it has been more even on the feet than I think people would think it would be. That's fair. Yeah. I'm picking David. Yeah. Just Zahid has done better than I think people would expect. Yeah. I, I think they, I think Zahid will be keep it competitive, but I just I can't really foresee him beating David. I think I think that's a stretch. And so I think Seth can kind of go with all those guys. I'm not sure that he's gonna win yet, but I think he could be really competitive for the, all, all of those wrestlers at uh, 57 kg. Yeah. So Seth. Uh, Nomad, this one I'll let you answer. Awesome's Razor. Uh, <laughs> do wrestlers need to compete in a certain number of matches to be at a weight for postseason? It seems rare to see someone change weights for the weight classes for the postseason versus high school, where it is more ruled than the exception. We got our answer to this last year. <laughs> Joe Smith, his only matches at what was it 165, right? Yeah. His only matches at 165 were Big 12s and NCAA. So, no, you do not have to wrestle a certain number of matches to be at a weight for the postseason. Uh, what the what there are is a couple things as far as seeding and allocation criteria. Um, it's eight matches to be it's, – it's eight matches to have a win percentage. It's five matches to be in the coaches' ranking, and also you have to have wrestled at least once in the past month. And then it's uh, 15 matches for RPI. So there are minimum uh, match numbers for – 
for those things for, for allocation and seeding purposes. But as far as like wrestling a certain number of matches to be in the postseason, no. You could show up and be like, all right, I'm the starter for Iowa 149 for the postseason and just wrestle Big Tens and NCAAs. All right. Uh, M. Monroe, in a duel between Wisconsin and Missouri, who does Ben root for? Oh, boo. I, I was hoping you wouldn't ask this one. <laughs> I got to ask. Oh, it. man. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, probably Wisconsin, but I, I would feel really guilty about it also. You know, I, I know all the guys on Wisconsin's team, so I, I have relationships with all of them. So, you know, I, I cheer for them individually also. Um, and Missouri, you know, I have a relationship with some of the guys on the team, but not all of them. So, you know, I'm going to cheer for Wisconsin, but, you know, that, that would make me really sad because obviously I do, I do love my alma mater, Missouri. Okay. Um, talking about kind of that, that rule we talked about with the Gable match, when will they get rid of stalling for pushing somebody out of bounds? The aggressor should never get a stalling call, so it should either be an action call or stalling on the guy backing out. I kind of agree with it. I don't ever feel like the guy pushing the guy out should get called for stalling. Because one, one of the, I mean, I had to make this argument to um, a couple high school refs. Because you know in high school they say, let them back in? Right. Which Why? is, is it, it's so, you're right, it's so dumb. But a lot of people's offense is predicated off pressure, right? So I push into you, you push back, then I can hit a single leg or a duck under right? I push, you push, my offense comes off your push, right? So if I push and you just incessantly back up, then I can't get my offense going because you're not giving me the pressure back I need, right? And the rules of wrestling prohibit you from moving straight backwards. So therefore, if I push, I should get pressure back. And so, you know, I hate it when referees, high school referees say, let him in, let him in, let him in. It's like, no, the guy needs to push back because you don't know what my guy's offense is predicated on. If my guy's offense is predicated on me pushing and you pushing back, which is a good strategy, you know, I push, you push back, I snap, right? There's a lot of things that happen on pressure. It, it's it's dumb. You should never get penalized for that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, what? Do any of you guys see one you really want to answer? Wait, can I actually? Can I actually? Ask, I want to say one thing. That is, yeah. this, this this goes with the stupid Iowa crowd that yells stalling when it's definitely not. The number one thing that drives me crazy, and this happened twice in the Iowa Penn State duel, um, but it's kind of just a bad rule all around. So we are in the referee's position. There's a guy on bottom. He is out of bounds. The top guy has only his foot in bounds. Okay, you guys visualizing where I'm at? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The bottom guy then crawls out of bounds, and everyone boos him, and they think he called for Stalin. Okay, listen. The bottom guy, if he does anything good whatsoever, the top guy is just going to pull his foot out of bounds, right? So the bottom guy shouldn't even try to do anything good because the second he does something good, the top guy pulls his foot out of bounds, they're out of bounds, er, restart in the middle. So the bottom guy should, in fact, his only move at that point in time, his only reasonable move is to actually crawl off the mat. Yeah. You should not get called for stalling or booed at that point. Yeah, that's that's the same thing I've said with like the peeling hand roll and freestyle where the correct wrestling reaction should never yes. be penalized. Yes. 100%. Like fleeing the mat is not a wrestling action. Like literally running out of bounds, literally diving out like that's not a that's that's not an action. But when the the thing is like the proper wrestling you know, idea or yes. technique, yeah, that should yeah, not yeah. be penalized. Um I don't know if there's anything I want to answer right now. I do think I would like maybe maybe if we could bring it back tomorrow. Um, do you think Braxton Davis can compete for a natty freshman year? I, I want to look question. at who's I want to look at who's coming back for 197, and then if I think that it makes more sense for them to redshirt him, and then I also want to do the one where the the all time 
Somebody asked about the all-time uh, 2010 to 2019, or not all-time, but the 2010 to 2019 team, and I want us to oh, like put the parameters Mount, the Mount on Rushmore, that. Mount right? Yeah, yeah, and I want us to put parameters on that if it's like career or just like peak, right? The goat boat conversation from last week. I'd <laughs> like to answer that tomorrow with like a little more parameters and thought behind it. Awesome. Yeah, let's let's circle back tomorrow. I love it. All right, LJ, you can play that music. Thank you for tuning in to 460 episodes of Full Wrestling Radio Live. Will you be back tomorrow? No, so I decided uh, the, the way we're doing it is I came on today. Bray is going to be on tomorrow because um, I'm, I'm doing who's number one on the show tomorrow with Spay. So give Bray some airtime, and then Thursday I'm leaving for national prep. So we're going to need either Bray or Spay or Bader to come on Thursday. Okay, we'll get it figured out. But me and Ben will be here, and we'll see you uh, bright and early at 8.15 Central. See ya. Peace.